Rich, today we're sitting down with Ann Carden, a business coach of coaches. And what I love about Ann's conversation today and the message for all entrepreneurs is your pricing may dictate your profitability. In the premium model, how do you get to premium clients where you can charge more, potentially even work less, and reduce costs, reduce complexity, reduce frustration? She has some great tips she goes through with us today. Yeah, absolutely. We'll dive everything from your expert positioning, the niche that you focus on, your marketing, your brand, your message, your buyer persona, all those different components and how you can position yourself as the expert in the industry you are in to get that premium pricing. So here's Anne. This episode is being brought to you by IOI Ventures. We all know that digital marketing is vital to our company's growth. Unfortunately, many of us entrepreneurs don't know where to start. We simply feel overwhelmed by acronyms like CTA, CRM, and GA. It's time for all of us to stop feeling stuck because our partners at IOI Ventures have the experience and track record to get us moving in the right direction. Want to learn more? Go to IOIVentures.com EU and sign up for your free 30-minute consultation. And welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about your entrepreneurial roots and story. You've built seven businesses. You've sold five of them. You're currently running two of them. You do coaching consulting. Tell us a little bit more about your entrepreneurial roots. How did you become an entrepreneur in the first instance? And what have you built leading up to what you currently do? The funny thing is, I think I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. My first business was, I was about seven years old. <laughs> and that actually came out on a podcast one day. I forgot about that. But I started my real entrepreneurship. So I always it sold all through as a kid and I created my own jobs. And so I think it's always been ingrained in me, but not realizing that's what it was at the time. And my dad has been an entrepreneur all of my life. So I was very used to seeing someone run their own businesses. And I started after leaving corporate, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I left corporate after 13 years in that business because I didn't want my kids raised by daycare. <laughs> and I made the decision to stay home. And it was through that we there was financial hardship. I could not squeeze another dime out of my husband's paycheck. Let's just say that. And I started looking for a way to make money. We were just so strapped and it was just such a hard place to be. So I started looking for a way to make money. And at the time, I wasn't looking to start a business. I was thinking, I want to make a little bit of money to help my family. And that turned into a global business. I employed several people. I was basically running a manufacturing company out of my home. I was shipping dolls all over the world. I had my own designs. Did that for seven years. And... And then that, when I sold that, I sold all of my designs out to a pattern company and moved on to my next thing. But there again, didn't really start it as a business per se. It was okay. I'm passionate about doing this. And I want to, I want to be able to teach fitness classes to other moms. That's how it started. I handed out flyers at a back to school barbecue and said, Hey, I'm going to do fitness classes at this community hall. Do you want to come? And then two health clubs later and two weight loss centers later, sold all four of those. But I got into coaching actually before I sold the last two businesses. So I, I was already doing some coaching and realized this is my next thing and sold those businesses and stepped into coaching full time. So that's kind of it. I want to know what you did at seven years old. I taught craft classes to the neighborhood kids and I charged mm -hmm. them. I had expenses. I had craft supplies. So 
I charged them. So I don't remember. I was probably about seven or eight because I was thinking back where we lived. And so I think I charged them, I don't know, a nickel, a dime, a quarter. I really don't remember. And I hadn't even thought about that for many years. It actually came out when I was on a podcast being interviewed. And I was like, they said, were you an entrepreneur as a kid? And I'm like, oh, wow, I guess I really was. I had never thought about that. But yeah. Fun. And today you have a coaching business where you provide to entrepreneurs, correct? Correct. And you've written three books? Yes. Talk to me about the inspiration. Why three books? Why going on four? What was the inspiration for each of the books? And what's the pain point for an entrepreneur that each of the books is positioned to solve? So the first book I wrote after I worked with a coach and in my last two businesses, and it was the first time I had worked with a coach, we didn't, I didn't have exposure for a long time around coaching and all of that. And so in those last two businesses, I hired my first business coach and it made such an impact on my businesses. I thought, oh my gosh, if I would have had a coach all these years, I can't even imagine what could have been different. And so I, that's really how I got into coaching. I became passionate. I really became a student of business, of marketing, of sales when I saw what could be done through having a coach and a mentor, it just changed my whole outlook around business. And I just became such a student of it. And then I started working with local business owners. I remember my first couple of clients, they were people that I knew from building my other businesses. And so I was out there networking and that's how I was getting a lot of business through my door. And I remember asking my first couple of clients, I would, I really want to step into helping people with their business. Because as I started getting out there and really talking about business, I realized I had really acquired a lot more knowledge and experience than most people. I had never really looked at it that way. And so I thought, okay, I think I've got something to really help people here. So my first two clients I took on and I didn't charge very much. And I said, let me just see if I can help you. She was my friend. And I charged her very little, but in the first week, I helped her run a 300% increase in her retail store. And I said, okay, I do know what I'm doing. I do know how to identify gaps. I do know where the opportunities are. And then the second client, it was a partnership, two partners, and I found a 500, almost a $500,000 opportunity for them. They were a photo booth company. So just think about that. Not much going on there. But I actually discovered almost a $500,000 opportunity for them. That was a bigger opportunity than what they were already doing. And it wouldn't have cost them anything to implement it. And so when I, that was the turning point. And I thought, okay, I really do. I know I have learned some things here and I know that I can help people. And so that's really where my passion came from to do that. Thanks for that. When I think of business coaches, I think there are an awful lot of business coaches out there. What would you like people to think of when they go, hey, on Entrepreneurs United, there was a business coach named Anne on there, and her specialty was blank. If you ever are what, she's the person for you. How do you differentiate from any other business coach that you want to be remembered by? So one of the things that I do when I work with a business is 
number one, I've done tons of turnarounds. I can't even tell you how many small business turnarounds I have done with people where they were bleeding money. And I went in and was able to fix it very quickly and at least stop the bleeding and get them profitable. And then we could fix the things that caused those problems. I really have not yet found a business that if the person is willing to listen and implement and do the work, I haven't found a business I couldn't help unless they were just so far gone that they wouldn't invest in my services or whatever, obviously. I always can make a huge impact and help them. But what I really want to be known for and what my whole pitch is, I help people capture their bigger opportunities in their business. So a lot of people are putting their time, their energy, their effort, and even their money into the lowest value opportunities in their business, not the highest. I help them shift this thinking. I One thing that I learned many years ago in my business, the thing that really made me the money was working premium, like going after the premium opportunity where I, that's the thing that expanded my businesses, gave me more cash flow to expand my businesses because I've done business both ways, volume and premium. When I can help people implement something premium if they don't already have it or help them shift to become more of a premium business, that's where the big leaps happen. That's where the big financial impact is. And most people don't think about this. Most people, I like to say, are playing in the 70% market or even lower. I help people move into the top 30, 20, 10% of their market, and that changes everything. They get to charge more. They have less expense. They don't have to have all the complexity. They don't have to do as much marketing. The list goes on and on. Bottom line, it's more profitable. That's just, that is the thing that impacts. So, Anne, I want to dive into that because, you know, what I'm hearing is a great question Rich asked. What's your superpower really in this area? And your superpower, to my understanding, what you just said is, helping entrepreneurs capture bigger opportunities. Entrepreneurs listening to this, if they were to reflect on their own business and say, okay, this sounds interesting. How do I sell a premium opportunity in my business so I can reach the top 30 percentile of the market versus the bottom 70 percentile? And I get it. There's the 80-20 rule or 70-30 rule here. And I can charge more money. I can make better margins. I'm going to make more profit. This all sounds way too interesting generalizing because you don't know who the entrepreneur is exactly and what their business is. Why do you think they don't see the opportunity? So when you're working with entrepreneurs and you're talking to them, why don't they see that 30% as well? I believe a lot of people are not exposed to it. It's where they know that can be done or how to do it. I've worked in 60 different industries now. Now I primarily work with service entrepreneurs, professional entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, but I've worked in over 60 different industries. And I will tell you, this model, this idea works in any business. I've done it with chiropractors. I've done it with plumbing companies. I've done it with roofing companies. It all is how you set yourself apart in the industry, how you build up to look more premium, to understand the market that you're going after. These are all really the fundamental pieces. I think they don't do it is they either aren't exposed to it or they just don't know how. Or they think, a lot of times, they think it's easier to go after the low stuff. I'll give you an example. I worked with an IT consultant, and he had a client that he was making $10,000 a month on to do like their networking with their computer stuff. And when he came to me to work with me, he was making 100 and. 
$20,000 a year on this particular client. But when he came to me, he was selling, get your computer serviced and protected for $55. And that's what he was out there selling. So being out there selling a $55 thing, when you've got a client paying you $120,000 a year, why are you not going after that market? A lot of times they don't know how to do that. They maybe got that client from a fluke or something happened and they were able to bring that client in, but they don't know how to really go out and do that and make that repeat that. And so that those are all the things that I look at. So it can be exposure. It can be not knowing how, mm -hmm. but there's ways that any business can do this, any mm -hmm. business that has yep. a good service. Got it. And I did capture the three reasons, right? They're not exposed to it. So they don't know really any different. They're just selling their product or service for what they think everybody else is doing. So they're going right. after the masses like everybody else. else. <laughs> they they don't know how to look premium, act premium, demand premium, and or they just think, you know what? It's a lot easier if I could just sell this $49.99 widget and not sell it for $500. That's a harder sell. I'm just going to go for the easy part. But they don't realize it might be easier to actually go for the premium. Like, just going to say it's not a harder sell. It's actually easier when you're yeah, targeting I, the right people. Yes, exactly. So I, I got those and you started going down some tactical aspects of this. Okay, listen, if you want to come on board with this, you got to look premium is the first thing you said. <laughs> Second thing is you got to price premium. You also didn't say this. I captured this myself by what you're saying is. You also got to be able to say no, because there may be some volume opportunities like, oh, yeah, I want this. But then it defeats the purpose of what you're trying to go. What would be that laundry list of do's and don'ts if you want to go after premium opportunities in your business? Such a great question. So you really do have to define who those premium buyers are going to be. You have to establish yourself in the market specifically for them. You have to make sure that you look very different from everyone else out there so that you're attracting those buyers to you. You want to make sure that your pricing is congruent with the value that you're offering to the market. And a lot of people get this wrong as well. And quite honestly, a lot of people are afraid to do this. They're just afraid to do it. A lot of times because they don't understand the value and so they lack the confidence. And I see this with people a lot, especially with coaches and consultants who are trying to go to premium clients. They don't really understand the value that they're bringing to the market. But I've helped people go from selling something for $1,700 to closing $50,000 clients. That's a big jump for people. But once I showed them the value that they're truly bringing to the market and how to package that and sell that, then it was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So those are all pieces of making this work. And you have to be able to really articulate the value in the closing process or in the sales process. And a lot of people don't do a very good job doing that. And so they end up cutting their prices. I've worked with lots of people that have cut their prices because they didn't, weren't bringing in the right clients to begin with, but then they couldn't really articulate the value. And so you also have to set the floor. I, you said you have to say no, right? So you do have to decide, okay, this is the floor. I'm not going to go below this because it's not worth my time. Now, obviously, if you're not stable yet, or you are a beginner, you might have to do what comes, right? You have to get some cash flow. That a business is no business without money. And so you have to do that. But when you're established, when you say no to a lot of things, you are then opening up a whole world of a bigger opportunity. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. Yeah, no doubt. I don't know if the right word is 
pricing imposter syndrome. I don't know what the right word <laughs> is for it. I think so. I there are a lot of people who are like, I can't charge that much. And then it's, so they don't, and they just don't feel like they have that much value. And But then I could see the value, I use that word twice there, but I could see the benefit of working with a coach who's like, no, no, you can be premium. Mm -hmm. And here's why you should be premium. And I'm going to show you how to make this happen because they may not have the confidence in and of themselves to do it, which is interesting because the ironic part about your business model is you're really the coach of coaches. I am. I started working with coaches because I was part of a business coaching organization where they were teaching people how to be business coaches. And the reason I bought into the organization is they already had a lot of assets and things built out that I thought, oh, I could use these tools for my clients. But as I got into the organization, I realized most of the coaches were struggling. And I wasn't really using a lot of their stuff. I would cherry pick different things because I was already coaching clients. And I discovered a better way. I was When I started using their stuff, I was bringing in the wrong people. I was bringing them in at low fees. It was almost like I went backwards when I started working with them. So I took a step back and I said, okay, this clearly isn't working. They have some good stuff. I appreciate the relationships. I'm not getting any value but I can't use their stuff the way they're teaching. So I, I took a step back and I really designed my own process. And that's where my expert in you method came from. What I have my whole brand built around. And it is around the premium model. The thing that I had always done in all of my businesses that I wasn't doing in my coaching business because I fell into all of the stuff that's being taught in the industry, the value ladder, the Ascension model, sell low ticket, and then ascend people. Everything that I see entrepreneurs out there doing, they make it look like it's the easy button. It is not the easy button. It just like it isn't for business owners. So I took a step back. I redesigned my whole business model. And so when I started having this really great success, this coaching organization started promoting me like on their Ask the Expert calls and Ask Ann. And, and so I was sharing all of my stuff, all of my value everything that I had learned and had invested in other people to learn. And all of a sudden coaches were coming to me wanting my help. And I felt like I was building their business for them. <laughs> I was helping these coaches anyway. It was such a natural fit. So I started thinking about that. And I thought, you know what? These coaches are struggling. If I help them be successful, I can make even more impact because now they can be out there helping businesses helping people, they can have a bigger reach. So to help them be successful makes more sense than me going out and working with one business at a time. So that was when I shifted specifically working with coaches, consultants, and professional entrepreneurs. Help me out. I'm sure there are people listening and I may be in this category also who go, all right, got it. And here's what I think you're saying. Raise prices and say no when people want to pay you less and believe in yourself. Ready? Go. Why is it, it like, like what more is it to having a premium model other than where you're normally charging 1700? Go charge 50 grand and say no to 1700 and you're just going to attract $50,000 buyers cuz <laughs> You raised your price. Yes, it just doesn't work like that. So there, first of all, you have to really, uh, you have to level up what you are currently doing. So it isn't just level up your prices. You have to level everything up. You have to level up your, your market. 
that might mean you have to switch markets. The client selling something for $1,700 and then moving her into closing a 40 and actually it became a $50,000 client. It was a completely different market, something she had not even thought about using her expertise in, but she was still doing the same thing. She just, we moved her into a market that could pay her big bucks. And that's what I try to do with people. When you say level up, what are the opportunities in your experience to level up? What is that? Is there, hey, here are the eight things that you could consider leveling up on. And by the way, if you level up on all eight, one of them is pricing, yes, but here are the others. Like level up what? So you, your marketing has to go up. Your brand your message, you have to, you're targeting a higher level audience a lot of times. I don't want to say audience market a lot of times. So it could be a higher level in the market that you're currently in, if that makes sense, or it could be switching markets. So here's the thing. If you can't, if people don't have money, you can't get those kinds of fees. It's just a fact. And I see a lot of people that are out there targeting, like I said, the 70%, the low value clients, and their message is going to be off. Their brand is going to be off. Even what they're selling is going to be off. And their offers are going to repel high-end clients because high-end clients are not going to think that they're for them. Also, the marketing a lot of times is off. Here's a good example. If you're going to sell someone on a $50,000 offer, funnels typically don't work. You can't put people through a funnel for a $50,000 offer, not typically. It does, it's not the best approach. If you're going to sell a $100,000 package, they're never going to buy that because they go through a funnel and then ascend. And so you have to understand how these premium buyers buy. You have to understand how to reach them. You have to reach them with the right message, with the right branding, with the right offers. And you have to clearly understand the value of what you would be providing them. So all of this, your whole business model levels up from what you're selling to how you're talking about your services to even your closing process. All of these things have to level up. But I'll tell you this, when I keep using the $1,700, she was just one client, but when she closed that $40,000, who became a $50,000 client, because then they bought something else for 10K, when she, when she closed that deal, it was a 10-minute conversation because she had the right pieces in place. That is the power. So these clients close faster, typically. Now, if you're working with a corporation, although I do help people that work in corporations, close, shorten the sales cycle and close deals faster and all of that. So there are ways to do that. But in some situations... You may not be able to close super fast, but they can still shorten that sales cycle. And there's still ways to do that. But if you don't have the foundational pieces right, you're not going to get those types of clients. I think I'm starting to track. I've got two steps, really is my understanding of your whole program and then a number of sub-steps. It's understand your premium clients and level up your business to fit their needs. Yeah. How do you level up? You've got marketing, the message, the service or product itself, your offering or your offer, then the closing process. I'd love to do just a quick visit on those five things and go, what's your general advice that you go pretty much everybody, if you're looking to get into a premium market, here's where pretty much everybody needs to start on each of those. So let's start with marketing. 
What's a number one misunderstanding that people who go after the 70%, everybody really should understand when it comes to marketing? So I want like your vanilla recommendation, if you will, on each of those five to go, hey, everybody, you could level up in marketing if you just like that would resonate for the majority of businesses. What would that be? I wish it was as easy to say one thing, but I will say you need to look like an expert if you're going to go after a premium market. And that there's a lot of moving parts to being seen as an expert. But for example, I'm just going to use LinkedIn as an example because I help a lot of people on LinkedIn. It's a primary place for people. And what I see is on LinkedIn, they look like a jack of all trades. So they do 10 different things and their whole profile has 10 different things. And that's not expert positioning. So you've got to get that positioning dialed in so that even if if somebody Googles you, they are going to clearly see what you do, who you're for, and there you have established such an expert uh, market for yourself or marketing for yourself that there's no doubt that you can do what you say you can do. And there's a lot of moving parts to this. It's everything from your message being congruent across channels, across all social media platforms. You're speaking on a stage. You're known for something. What are you known for? I am known for helping people scale their business with premium clients and programs. That's what I'm known for. And that's what I've been doing for many years with businesses. So if you Google me, if you go look at podcasts, if you go look at anything, my whole brand is around that. That is expert positioning. I've written a book around it. So that is expert positioning, right? So you've got to get that dialed in first. You've got to understand where your buyers are, where these premium buyers are, and you have to understand how they buy. If you don't understand how they buy, you can't market in the right way. And this is what a lot of people make a mistake. I'll see them out there doing funnels and they're trying to get 50 and $100,000 clients, or they think that's the way to get them. Or they think spamming the heck out of people is the way to get these really premium buyers. And that's just not how these people buy. So on the marketing side, it's really narrow your offering so you can look like an expert. Stop looking like a jack of all trades. How about the messaging? When you think messaging and premium messaging and premium brand messaging, what would be the bullet that everybody could use? You have to be relevant to the market you're going after. If your message is not dialed in specifically for the market that you're going after and the value that you can provide to them, you will miss those opportunities. A good, probably the simplest example I can give you is if I am out there targeting startup entrepreneurs and I'm talking about myself as a startup coach, I work with startup entrepreneurs who are wanting to start a business for the first time, how much money really will I be able to charge? Let's just think about that, right? But if I say I work with seven-figure entrepreneurs and I want to take them into eight figures, okay, all of a sudden that value has just gone way up. And that's just a really simple example. But you have to be you have to be relevant to them. If I'm going to help them fix a specific problem, I have to make sure that problem is a problem that they have. I'd summarize that as, and you didn't use this wording. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But my understanding that I'll validate back is when it comes to the message, you need to message to a relevant pain point within the premium market. Stop messaging to the pain point of the 70% of the market. Yes. This 30% has different pain points. Understand their pain point and market to their pain point. 
Got yeah. it. How about your service or product? When you think of service or product, if you're going after premium buy, pretty much everybody should what? Again, you have to understand what they want and how they buy. And you have to make sure that your offers make sense to them. They have to be a no-brainer for them. And this all comes with the understanding of your market, but also in the value that you can provide. The other thing about being positioned as an expert is you want to show credibility. If you can't walk people through your exact process and how you help people and what you've been able to do for people, if you can't share all of that information, you can't get premium prices because they're going to doubt that you can really do what you say you can do. They're, you're just not going to get the same response. And all of this has to come out in your marketing, but it also has to come out in your offers. If you are trying to sell something that your market has no need for, or they're already way past that, I see this a lot with coaches and consultants, they don't buy, they'll say, where do you get these premium clients? They're not buying from you because they don't think you're for them because of what you're selling. If you're selling how to build a Facebook group, they're probably way past that if that's a market that you're going after. So you have to really understand what they want. And that's what your offers need to be built around, what you're selling. I think we combined, and that's fine, we combined the offer within the service or product. And what I took a note on was to tighten up your systems and processes. So you know exactly what it is you're offering, that you're going to inspire confidence. You've got a eight-step system on how you're going to install roofing, whatever it is. Premium buyers want to know. You have a formula, a system or process that you consistently get high-end results. So if you're going to go to the premium market, you got to tighten up systems and processes. Last visit I want to take is the closing process. You referenced often that has to be a little bit different. What recommendation do you have to level up a closing process? There are several, but I see a lot of entrepreneurs, if they're selling professional services, their proposal process is a nightmare. They are sending proposals to try to get the sale to close. That's a cop out. High-end buyers, if you want to really move people into action to buy with you, you need to be able to articulate the sale. And I say co-create, co-create the solution with that buyer versus doing a proposal. So I shift, that's one area that we shift. The other thing is understanding when you, when so high-end buyers are, there's got to be a consultation. It's going to happen in the conversation. They're not going to buy from a landing page. They're not going to, you've got to understand that. And so you have to be willing to get into conversations with them, but then you also have to know how to um, ask the right questions that uncovers what it is you do. And a lot of people don't do this. They don't have a great sales process. I've had people that have come to me on a sales call and they said, we interviewed, I interviewed seven or eight other coaches. And when I asked them how they could help me, it's like they couldn't really tell me. And when I got on a call with you, you said, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're gonna, because that's my process, right? We're going to do your offers, your marketing, your sales, and we'll scale you, add a team, whatever that is. And I walked them right through my four-step process. And they said, it was like you just made it so clear what you would do with us, with me, that I knew that you were the person that could help me. And so a lot of people, if you can't let people clearly see, it's not tangible to them. It's, it, there's, they can't understand the value. 
it feels abstract. And a lot of people do that. Oh, I'm selling coaching. I'm selling a six-week program all the time. I say, what do you sell? Here's what I get. I sell business coaching. I sell a six-week program. I sell a six-month program. I'm sorry, that's not what buyers are going to buy. They have to feel it's tangible. They have to see the outcome. That all has to be part of the sales conversation. And you have to sell people what they want. And I do this in, again, multiple industries. I even work with like interior designers and people that are selling services. We give them a clear process. The other thing about high-end buyers is they want results and they want speed and they want to save time. A good example, you get on a sales call with them. If you don't need an hour, why would you sit there and shoot the breeze with them? They're not looking for that. They're not looking for a friend. They're looking to see if you can help them. And so if you are taking time and wasting their time on that sales call, that is the impression that you're giving of this is what it's going to be like to work with you. Instead of saying, I value your time, we're both busy, this is how the sales call, this is how the call is going to go, how does that sound to you, let's dive in a little deeper. So those are all parts of that sales process. Also qualifying your people before you waste your time. That's a big piece of it as well. And then one thing I didn't talk about is when you have the marketing dialed in, you have the expert positioning dialed in. Most of the time when you actually get in front of a prospect, if you've done this really well, they're practically sold. They just want to know how it is to work with you. And so that's the, I, that, those are the best sales conversations. So I like to help people with all of those pieces have to be done in sequence to make things work well. Yeah, there's so much that you just shared there. One of the first things I took a note on was to co-create the proposal to make sure it's what they want. Don't just email it like you're in there with them to co-create it. So if there's a misunderstanding that's had, you're right there. You'll just change that right there to suit their needs. And it's a conversation so that at the end of it, there's no decision to be made. They were part of the creation process. So of course, they're going to want that. Absolutely. And if you find out the budget and all of that in that conversation and you're co-creating that with them, they're not going to go, they can't go out and price shop because nobody else has that offer, right? No one, they've already spent that time with you. Why would they? It doesn't make sense. If you can come in on their budget and you co-create a solution with them based on what they want and what they need, why would they ever go anywhere else? That wouldn't even make sense. It would be a waste of their time. Love that. Basically, as a form of trial closing, you're hanging up that call going, okay, this is what you've designed. And this is you know, yes. what you're looking for. I'm going to help you go get it. So yes. let's go do this. You bring um, up a really good point too. One of the things that's so powerful in doing this is you also, when you do that, they are getting to see what it's like to work with you. So you're already establishing yeah. that that teamwork. That working relationship. Yes, yeah. that working relationship. You're already establishing that even from the very beginning. And that just is such a strong rapport build with that potential client. And the other thing is if you do have to do a proposal, and this is sometimes there, there might be a situation where you want to put a couple of different options together for them, but they've already determined what they want, then at least get back on a call with them and say, okay, so we're in agreement you want to work with me, we, you want to move forward, this is the budget. I want to just put a couple of ideas down and then you could choose which one that feels like the best fit. 
get back on a call with them or in a meeting with them, and then let them pick from the two options. So a lot of people just, their sales process just isn't like this. And they just lose so much money in this whole process. And I think a lot of, especially entrepreneurs, a lot of times they're afraid to close the sale. They don't really learn how to close sales. And so they're afraid. And so the email is a simple out. It's all just, we'll email a proposal. Good luck with that if you want to chase clients not close most of them. When I help people get rid of their proposal process altogether and they get signed agreements or they don't do them at all because they dial in their offer so much better, like their business just explodes. They close sales. Have you worked with your clients or is this incorporated in your process where you have prospect scorecards, meaning somebody inquires on your website and says, hey, please send me a proposal. You're like, no, sorry, that's a zero. We don't do that here. (laughs) If we're not going to have a consultation call and co-create something, I'm automatically not even going to reach back out to you. Like it's a no. Do you guys scorecard the prospects to realize which prospects you should be spending time with or not? No, I don't do that, but we do set up a qualifying process. So there is an application. If If people want to book with me, there's an application. If they don't fill out the application, I'm like, okay, you're either a salesperson or you are, you're not serious because if I'm going to give up my time, you need to give up your time. And the reason for that, it does two things. I have had people get on calls with me saying, I got so much clarity about what I needed just from filling out your application. So it prepares them for the call but it also prepares you. I don't want to get on a call blind. I have no idea who you are, what you need, what you're all about. I have no desire to spend my time like that. And so then when you're on that call, it's really high value. It's a high quality call because you're really able to just go deeper into some of the questions that you have and determine if it's a fit to work together. Also with the qualifying process, One of the final questions I ask is, do you have the financial resources to invest in my services? I want to know, do you have money? Because if they say no, why am I going to give you a free call? It doesn't make any sense. And I see so many people burn up time because they, they don't set up a qualifying process. So, you know, it says yes, no, or maybe if they put maybe I'm like, they just don't know what my fees are, right? They just, they're getting on a call. They're interested. They just need to find out what it's like to work with me and what that investment's going to be. But if they put no, I cancel the call. And I say, obviously, or I send them back an email and say, obviously there's an investment. Here's where it starts. Is that going to be a problem? Yeah. No, I love every part of it. And that whole expert positioning, right? It's like the riches are in the niches. If you want to be an expert in something, you can't be an expert in everything. And to just say, I'm a business coach, I'm going to help your business, I'm, whatever problem you have, I'm going to find it, I'm going to help you, versus I know exactly what Ann does. And if I want to get into coaching and I want to go after premium, I'm contacting Ann because she's an expert in positioning my coaching services for what I'm doing. So I love the fact that you demonstrated that and coached that as well. How can we learn more? If Richard and I or any other entrepreneur listening to this ever wants to start a coaching business, you're the person to go to. What's the best way to get in touch with you? What's the best way to get started beyond the application? I always have a workshop that typically is going on if you want to get into premium services. And you can go to expertinyouworkshop.com. And that is a free virtual workshop. There is an application to get into those. But I've had people get amazing results right out of my workshop. So that's always an offer. I always have something coming up. But if I don't have one that's coming right up or you just want to, I don't want to workshop in. I just want to jump right in with you. You can go to acarton.com and book a call, book a strategy call, 
and then it will take you right to my application. If it's a fit, we'll get on a call and we'll talk about how we can work together. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Ann. Thank you. Thank you. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. John, initially it seems so simple of a concept, but there's some complexity to it. Understand your premium clients and level up everything about your business to meet their needs. So that definitely seems like a silver bullet, but it's like, how do you do that? I really liked some of the tips that she gave when we went through the marketing, the message, the offer, the closing process. I, I picked up some really good nuggets in there. Yeah. And one thing that is interesting that we didn't talk about in this conversation, but I'd love to get your take on it is if you use sports as maybe an example, or even in business, you can use sales as an example. The person who's going to make the most amount of money is the best athlete or the best sales rep because they perform and they get more sales and therefore they make more money or they make it to the highest level of professional sports, therefore they make money. I'm curious as to your take. It's one thing to just increase your positioning, increase your brand and your message and who you're going after and charge a premium product or service, but you also have to stand behind it. You need to have that credibility that when people are buying your product for maybe five times what the market is putting out there, that you actually can deliver. What is your take on that? There's a piece of me that says, if you can't stand behind it, then you deserve to be in the 70%. You're going to prove that going after a premium market isn't going to work. And the lower end market who's really looking for low price and they're willing to compromise quality or timeliness of things. Because that's, you remember the three-legged stool of sales where it's like price, timing, and quality pick two. Yep. You cannot have three. So if somebody is always willing to compromise price as a business owner, then I would say the reason you're having to do that is because you're not delivering in a timely manner or you're not living up to the quality. If you're delivering fast, if you're delivering really high quality and you stand behind what you do, Price is a given at that point. Like you should be able to charge more and get out of the charging per hour game or charging per job game and get into the charging for your value game, which is, I think, where Anne takes the businesses she does coaching with. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great analogy to your point on the stool. And just, I think, I guess my question was also around, you can't fake it. You can't go charge a premium product or service and last the test of time just because you have a nice website. Right. And as a matter of fact, the piece we didn't talk about, and, I'm, and I have a hypothesis, I would have loved to ask her this question. I have to believe that those who charge a premium product and deliver a premium product, the reason why the sales process is 10 minutes and the reason why the sale is made before the consultation call even happens is because they were referred by a trusted source to that person go, this is who you need to talk to. This person's going to fix your business. They're going to help you a premium call in. And you get on the phone with Ann, you've already bought before. You don't need a proposal. We were going to uh, do a sales consultation with Anthony Robbins to hire him for a business coach. You already know who he is. You already know you, you already, the credibility. Is, what are you trying to vet at that point? You're hiring a consultation because you're ready to buy. Now you may be shocked by the price there too, but either way, that, that's why that to me, the referral sources that you need to get uh, are a very important part of this cycle. So 
when you do have a premium pricing model and a premium message, and when you bring on clients, you want them to be your biggest advocate. And by showing them success and them saying, hey, Rich, you need to call it. And they've already bought before they call. And I think that referral piece is such a key component of that premium market. Agreed. Have you heard of ZMOT? ZMOT? ZMOT, which stands for Zero Moment of Truth. It's a concept I got exposed to, gosh, maybe six years ago or so, Hmm. which is these days, customers are already buying you before they call. There's a zero moment of truth that you don't really need to sell yourself. Give your company history. Here's what your volume is. Here's how many clients you work with. They've already done that research on you. They already know all that at this point in this day and age that's digital. They either know that from your point, John, on a referral, because there's somebody who they really trust who gave them all the information they needed to call you, or they know that because they look on things like Google reviews. They've already done their research. So at the point where they're calling you, there's the zero moment of truth at that point that now's your time to Anne's point to show them what is it like to work with you. How professional are you answering the phone? How quickly can you bring them through the process? How buttoned up are you? How fast can you work with them? That's what they're looking for. They're not looking for this big, let us tell you how great we are in the history of the company for the first three minutes. They already know that. That's why they're calling you. I love that. You learn something every day. I learned a lot in this conversation. Zmod's definitely going to be one of the things I take away from this conversation. Never heard that one before. But you missed one thing when you talked about that call, because you said it earlier in this conversation, it was one of the best things I took out of it as well, was when you do get on the phone with them, to your point, instead of selling history and the buffet and everything else that's going on, you need to be relevant to the pain point of that target premium market. Totally. And find out what is that pain point that person's calling you about and be extremely relevant and targeted to them because they don't want to be on the phone with you for an hour. They want to know, can you solve their relevant pain point? Because they have the financial capability to pay you for this premium product. They just want to know, are you the right person to solve their pain? When you think about it, the first example she gave on the IT person, there's a pain point of the $55, we'll get your computer cleaned up and set up. There is a pain point to be marketed to for that $55 person. It's a totally different pain point for the $10,000 a month person. And Anne's whole system is, in the example of this IT business, understand the pain of the $10,000 a month customer, not the $55 once a year customer, and market to that, level up to that. But to your point, John, reiterating, know the pain point of that premium client.